Welcome to Adulting, a podcast where we want to adult every day. Download episodes at adulting.tv. Welcome to Adulting. I'm Harlan, and I'm here with Miranda, and we're talking about sibling drama. How are you doing, Miranda? I'm doing pretty well. How are you? I'm doing just fine. A little crazy as we're ending the summer, but maintaining control as much as possible of my life. And that's that's just the goal for now. I feel you. I'm not sure it's ever possible to have complete control over your life. You know, it, it'd be nice to steer sometimes. Yeah, once in a while, I think it's a good thing. So we're talking today about sibling drama. I have a brother and you have siblings as well, right? Yes, I have one sister and three brothers. So yeah, there's a lot of potential there. There's a lot of potential. And there is this idea that when we're younger and growing up with siblings, sometimes we don't always get along. I know that I didn't always get along with my brother when I was growing up. And I'm sure there were tons of reasons for it, but... For whatever reason, we butted heads quite a bit on whatever we happened to be doing, especially when we were younger. And all of that seemed to subside eventually as we grew up and kind of, you know, I went off to college. My brother was younger. He stayed back in high school. And after I was in college, we ended up in two different ends of the country. But we get along a lot better now, although we don't see each other nearly as much as we'd like to. So that's where that's where we stand. I'd like to hear about how it was for you growing up with your siblings. Yeah, so we did have some sibling rivalry growing up. There was the rivalry that comes when you're like the first family. So like me, my sister, one of my brothers, we always felt like mom and dad, you know, had more expectations for us. We had curfews, all this stuff. But my two youngest brothers, they didn't really have curfews. Like they were the second family. We always talked about how they had it so much easier. So there was kind of some of that tension there. And then my sister and I were close enough in age that a lot of the time she resented that I I was older and she couldn't do like I got to drive first. I got to go to school first. And then I think we actually got in a few fist fights growing up, my sister Uh and I. Yeah, over just whatever. And, uh, you know, and she would be angry like if, you know, this popular boy asked me out and I turned him down and she was angry at me because I was ruining her chances of getting into a social circle she wanted to be in because I didn't care about the popularity and the social games and everything. And so she was angry with me for turning down this date because because she thought it would have been like my ticket into that social circle and then hers as well. And so we had some of those issues. But since, you know, we've all been adults, gotten along much better. Most of our issues actually come from the fact that one of my brothers and myself are no longer involved really in the religion that everybody else is involved in. And so that sometimes causes tension, but it doesn't usually cause drama. So what kind of drama is out there for people who are experiencing sibling drama, what what happens? I know that the drama seems to come about when one sibling is in a different life position than another. Maybe one is more successful or one is, you know, there's, there's a big gap in social status or financial status between siblings. And that creates some drama because, because you know, maybe one believes that the other should be helping them out 
more or believes that life is unfair because we grew up together and and here opportunities went to one while they didn't go to the other. I think I think that's a source of drama for some siblings. Oh, definitely. And then also in some relationships, like this idea that one parent loves somebody else more kind of carries over. I know actually watching my dad's family and that sibling drama has been actually very interesting because the oldest brother, my dad's oldest brother, he's the eldest, he's the first son. It's a very traditional, very patriarchal type family. There was a lot of drama after my grandmother died because instead of looking at my grandmother's wishes and where she wanted certain treasured items to go certain places, he was like, I'm the oldest, I'm the oldest son, I get first pick. There was a lot of unhappiness and a lot of drama that went around that. And then also too, when my grandfather died, he had specific things he wanted at his his memorial memorial service. This uncle of mine just disregarded all of them, took charge of the, the memorial service planning, and and basically didn't do any of the things that were outlined. And there was a lot of drama around that as well. And so I think some of that can kind of come to loggerheads when you've got one sibling who you know thinks that they're entitled to something or thinks that they should be in charge. People start to choose sides. People start to get angry. And like there can be a lot of drama. And so some of this drama is healthy at one age, but as you get older and grow up, uh, that drama can can be unhealthy. Uh, I know there's a study from the University of Cambridge that talks about when sibling rivalry is at least positive. Depending on the situation and for young kids, according to the University of Cambridge, they found that sustained sibling rivalry can cause behavioral problems and issues with relationship building later in life. But milder forms of sibling rivalry, such as like light teasing and that kind of stuff, can actually be okay. So it says if if one child is teasing or arguing with the other, the exchanges still meant that the younger child was often exposed to emotionally rich language from the old, older one. As a result, although younger siblings showed low rates of mental state talk than their elder siblings by age three, by the age of six, their social understanding had increased rapidly and they were conversing with emotions on an almost equal fitting. So it kind of slows things down at first, but then it makes up for it later. And then the other thing about siblings is a lot of the time you put away those rivalries to be natural allies against your parents. <laughs> so, so even though you have these like adversarial things, you can also build these bonds. So you're teasing each other. You're kind of fighting sometimes as my siblings and I did. But like when my parents came out with a new rule, we were ready to unite. <laughs> we were ready to unite in defiance. And there was one time where my dad was getting ready to enforce a consequence on me. And I kind of fought back about it. And my siblings all like cheered me on and stood, you know, I mean, it was just kind of funny because we were fighting just a moment before about what TV show we wanted to watch. But when my dad came in and was like, we're going to go do this other thing instead of watch any TV. I was like, no. <laughs> and then he's like, what? And so it was just kind of funny that the way that can turn around. And so it's a very complex relationship with your siblings. And as it grows and develops over time, it can become healthy as, as you and your siblings learn things like conflict resolution, talking through your problems, and then, you know, building these bonds together. And I imagine it helps when you're growing up and becoming entering adult life to have some guidance in terms of how to navigate some of the healthier aspects of dealing with sibling drama and uh, having having parents that force you to sit down and talk it out and talk through your problems is probably a good thing. Oh, definitely. Yeah, I think my parents tried to 
to work on that with us a little bit, uh, having a sit down, you know, after, after my sister left her handprint Ooh. in one of my brother's cheeks one time. <laughs> so it was, it was, I mean, there were five of us and sometimes it just got a little bit crazy. And my parents, you know, tried to keep it under control, tried to get us talking. It was always interesting sometimes. And, and now we have great relationships because we learned these things over time. And then you kind of learn over time too, that no one's going to have your back quite well. That's not true because some families are really dysfunctional, but, but we learned over time with our siblings that nobody had our backs quite as well as a uh, family. So I think we'll get to in a few moments of talking about ways we can, you know, when that sibling rivalry and drama bleeds over into adult life, uh, there, there are certain things that we can do to get past that and move past it and have healthier relationships. But why do some of those dramatic aspects of relationships carry over from adolescence into adulthood? I think uh, Psychology Today looked at some things uh, like parental treatment, so how parents treated children or the perceived treatment, right? I had one cousin who famously at a large family gathering with extended family famously went, oh, yes, the perfect one. He can do no wrong. And it was just this big dramatic thing <laughs> <laughs> because she was being, you know, uh, somebody was, you know, her, her parents were saying something about, you know, this brother of hers. And she's like, oh, yes, the perfect one. <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> and it was just funny. This perceived idea that, you know, maybe your parents are treating you differently. And so that carries over. And maybe they are treating you differently. You, you know, there is that aspect too. So parental treatment, your genetic disposition, right? There's, you know, sometimes we're predisposed genetically to uh, be more sensitive to certain things or to react in certain ways. And then your life events, your experiences outside of your family, and then the ethnic and generational patterns. I'm, you know, a lot of the ways that, for instance, I have an adult cousin who is actually treated, she's almost 27. And her younger brother is actually treated like more of an adult than she is. He's given more privileges. She's divorced now. And so interestingly enough, because of the cultural context in which we were raised, she is the one who has to give way to everybody. They treat her like she can't make decisions. When she was married, she was treated very differently than now that she's divorced and now she's single and considered back under the protection of her brothers instead of her husband. It's it's very interesting to watch how her younger brother received a car before she did, had all of these privileges ahead of her because of certain cultural patterns. <laughs> Yeah, that's interesting. And I, I think in addition to all of that, there's beyond what we've, what we mentioned already, there's one sibling might be in a different mental space or different, or might have different psychological things that they're dealing with, whether it's anxiety or depression or anything, you know, any, any, any kind of, any kind of issue. And when, when two siblings don't understand each other, there's bound to be some drama in terms of expectations, you know, different ways of approaching life, different ways of viewing life. And, you know, one sibling can easily get frustrated with another, especially if they don't really understand what one is going through. And sometimes, sometimes that can't be communicated. And I think that's important to recognize that, you know, everybody's going through something. And just because two people came from the same family growing up, that they are psychologically the same and deal with situations the same way. So you get those differences and that could lead to drama as well. In fact, you know, I, I know a friend of mine who, who always has trouble with their siblings and comes back to the fact that they're, 
Yeah, they deal with uh, different emotional issues that perhaps their siblings don't understand. So I think uh, that's that's a big part of it as well, or it can be. You know, we have to think about how to overcome this as well as some of the other differences that we have that lead to some of the drama and some of the stress. And we want to get rid of the drama because drama leads to stress and stress leads to unhealthy living. And, you know, our goal for everybody is to live within health. These sibling relationships are just important because uh, they're people that we see on a regular basis. Unless you've totally cut ties with your family, you're going to see them at holidays. You're going to see them at uh, big things like weddings and funerals and and birthday parties and, you know, all sorts of things. And, you know, now that I live in the same town, like I haven't lived in the same town as my siblings. I lived in the same town as my brother for a while and he would come over and, you know, have dinner and everything. But then we all kind of moved away and now I'm in the same town as my sister. And, you know, it's, it's interesting the way that that dynamic changes. And if you don't have a good relationship, then the closer you live, <laughs> the more stressful it becomes. And those healthy relationships uh, can impact other parts of your life. Yeah, siblings are going to be in our lives throughout our entire lives. Some families, you know, if, if, if things are horrible, if the relationship is just completely toxic, then of course there's always the option of not accepting someone as family anymore. But for the most part, for the broad most part, I mean, these are people who are going to be part of our lives forever. So we have to find a way to keep those relationships healthy. What are some of the things that we can do to start improving relationships with your siblings? Well, I think one of the first things is there's a tendency to look at the other person and say, well, our relationship isn't good because my sibling, my brother, my sister, my sibling doesn't understand me, or my sibling has an issue that they need to deal with, and it's their fault, not me. Everything's fine over here. I think it helps to look at ourselves and take a step back and, and figure out what could be triggering whatever the response is that you're getting from your sibling. And maybe there is something that you're doing or expressing or some way you're behaving that would influence the way your sibling is treating you. So I think we can always start by looking at ourselves and figuring out if there's something that we can fix or adjust or recognize within ourselves that will improve that relationship. Oh, definitely. And, and I think another thing to do kind of along with that is in moving forward is thinking positive thoughts. A lot of the time we get hung up on the negative things. Remember the time that that sibling totally messed you over and instead think about positive thoughts. What are some of the good memories and share those things? Share those good memories. Uh, we have a good time. One of the things I like to do is we get together, we go camping with my siblings and their families. And it's really fun to sit around the table, uh, the picnic table with a deck of cards and share memories and the good times and build like reinforce those positive thoughts about each other. Yeah, that really helps. Um, focusing on positive memories that you have really reinforces those memories and it changes the way you think about your relationship and it, it works. And that's definitely something to do. In addition to thinking about those memories of the past, let's make some new memories. So spend some time with your siblings, find things that you like to do in common or be open to new things that your sibling does that you might enjoy doing. Or, you know, just find different ways to spend time with each other and be willing to try new things with your siblings and have those new experiences and build some new memories. 
Yeah. And I'm really curious, Harlan, about for a while, my siblings and I were really spread out, but now we all live within four hours of each other, like for the first time in probably 20 years. You know, we're all living within four hours of each other. And here in the West, four hours is like an easy day trip. How do you make new memories with your brother who lives on the completely opposite coast? You guys are almost 3,000 miles apart. Yeah. So my brother's in Los Angeles and I'm in, you know, basically a suburb of Philadelphia for the most part. We see each other a few times a year, mostly for holidays and other times that I visit the West Coast because I have more family out there. And and we find, you know, we, we both have very busy schedules, both involved in different types of musical activities that keep us keep us pretty busy. So when we do spend time together, it's we, we enjoy it and we make the most of it because we don't get to do it very often. I love my brother and his wife and uh, my family out there. And this time that we spend together is often going and doing some, you know, some light travel type of stuff. Like we'll go on vacation to, we'll do something over what could be considered spring break. We'll have a couple of, you know, a week or a little bit and we'll do a little bit there. Or I'll see them on weekends and we'll just spend some time, go have meals at restaurants or, or cook. That's, that's really what our time is like right now. You know, one of the things I regret is not being able to see more of his performances and to be out there for what he does professionally. That would be a lot of fun to, to, to be a part of. But right now our schedules just keep us kind of focused on our own things on our own sides of the country. But because of that, we make the most of the time that we do have together as infrequent as it is. See, I like that because sometimes it's really about like quality of, you know, quality time together, not so much quantity. And so I think too, though, when you're moving on and, and you're trying to resolve some past issues, part of that comes from, you know, we talked about this a little bit reflecting in your life, but also looking at the situation from your siblings point of view. So a lot of the time when there are situations where I'm like, oh my gosh, my brother, how could you be so stupid, you know, or I'll be like, you know, wanting to lecture, wanting to like bring something up. I step back and look at it from their point of view. And if I've said something, you know, silly, and they're upset at me, you know, I step back and look at it and think, well, how does that look? So kind of look at it from their point of view and and where they're at in life. Um, there are almost 10 years between uh, myself and my youngest brother. So some of the things where I'm like, oh my gosh, how could you be so stupid? It's a lack of experience. And if I stop and look at it from his viewpoint and be like, oh yeah, I was just as stupid at, you know, 10 years ago when I was his age. So, so I think looking at it from their viewpoint, I think helps as well. Yeah, I think it comes down, you know, the, all of this always comes back to compassion and empathy and understanding what other people are feeling and thinking. And, and if you don't have a clue, then it helps to ask, just communicate about it. And that will certainly put you on the path to understanding what somebody else is going through. And I think it helps to, to not discuss your drama with other relatives because that just creates more drama. You want to avoid causing rumors and, uh, and causing problems for people. And the best way to do that is to not talk about, uh, your problems with others. I mean, it, it's good to talk about your issues, uh, because that helps clarify what you're thinking and feeling. But if you do this, you can't talk to somebody who, has the opportunity to know both of you if it's someone who because nobody can really remain neutral when they're when they're in this relationship or they try to and then it just it, it doesn't work because you know the the venting that you feel that you need to do can cause problems if you don't find someone unrelated to the situation you can just go to and talk to about the situation uh, without having any kind of concern that it's going to cause any further drama because that's something you want to avoid. 
Oh, definitely, for sure. And you know what? There are family psychologists and family counselors that can help you with just this thing. So if you really want to work on your relationship, that is also a possibility. Say, hey, I'd really like us to resolve some of these issues. Can we talk to somebody? Yeah. And another thing is to maintain a relationship, even if it's not a fully loving and committed relationship with your sibling, but you don't want to lose this lifelong connection that you have. So even if it's not flourishing, it's great to maintain it. And you can maintain it by staying in contact with your sibling, even if it's not regular contact, at least send a card every year for their birthday or holidays, and certainly communicate when you have the opportunity to. You don't have to have the best relationship with someone especially if it's a difficult relationship. You don't have to make every relationship in your life be the perfect relationship. But a sibling relationship is something that you want to maintain because as you get older, you look back on your family and sometimes you you need people or they need you. And if at least you've maintained a relationship, then there's a way to make that bridge happen. And if you totally shut yourself off to, it's just a, it's a, it's a lot more difficult later down the road. But what happens? I mean, we've talked about maybe you got to keep it neutral. But what happens if somebody is all about the drama? I mean, there are some people that just thrive on it. They love to be the center of attention. They love to be the middle of some sort of like firestorm that's happening. Like, what can you do in this situation? Yeah, well, de-escalation is always the best plan. Take it down a level. Don't don't escalate. If someone yells, don't yell louder. If someone yells, take a breath and then talk quieter. So that's a basic way to kind of take the flame out of a uh, out of a uh, out of a flammable situation. Find ways to do that. Find ways to not respond in a way that's just going to escalate and amplify and make it worse. Yeah. And one of the best ways to do that is don't offer advice. A lot of the time when you're, you see your sibling in the middle of this drama, you're like, you, you want to tell them what to do or you want to tell them how to fix it. And a lot of the time, if somebody is all about the drama, they're not actually looking for advice. And, and sometimes even if they ask what you, they should do, they don't actually want to know. They want you to validate their already decision to like fly off the handle and be dramatic. So the best thing you can do in some cases is to just, as Harlan said, remain calm and just let them have their drama and like just move on. And and the faster you can let them have their drama and get over it, uh, the faster you can move on to something else. Yeah, I, I think a lot of people really enjoy drama. It adds excitement into their lives and it makes it makes people feel important and energized and like they're they're living all of their emotions and Those are all good things, but when they come out of something bad like drama that can be hurtful, then 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 it's kind of dangerous. I try to avoid drama as much as possible and to the point where I'm often avoiding confrontation because of it. And sometimes those confrontations need to happen. But having that confrontation in a positive way is really important. And one way to do that is is redirect a drama filled conversation into something that can be a little more neutral or you can find some common ground, knowledge, whatever it is you're frustrated about and move on to a different point of the conversation so that you can move on to some other feeling that you have and move on with your life. 
Yeah, I think that that's a, a good way to kind of move forward. And, and then in some cases, you just get to the point where you have to limit your contact. Sometimes you limit your contact to just what we were talking about earlier, holidays, cards, and maybe you need to try and avoid the situation when it looks like drama is appearing on the horizon. So just figure out, you know, how can I limit my contact and reduce my exposure to this drama that's stressing me out while at the same time maintaining our relationship? And that can be tricky, but sometimes it, you know, it falls in the category of just, you know, saying, Hey, you know, I'd really love to talk to you, but, um, you know, I've got some stuff to do right now. Uh, can maybe we like, you know, call later this week or something, just find ways to, to kind of diffuse it a little bit and, and maybe limit how much time you're spending. Yeah. And in addition to that, I think it's important to remember that a lot of people who thrive on drama do so because it gives them a lot of attention and people thrive on attention. And when you're in a relationship, even if it's a sibling relationship with somebody who needs attention, it means that you're paying more attention to them than perhaps you are paying to yourself. And sometimes you need to take a step back and focus on yourself a little bit. Don't get caught up in the drama. Focus on your mental health. And that will often involve avoiding drama of other people. So don't forget to pay attention to your own needs and put yourself ahead of your siblings uh, occasionally so that you can get what you need out of your positive relationships. Let's go ahead and talk about some of the do nows that you can move forward with when you're ready to improve your relationship with your sibling and move beyond the drama. Yeah, um, write, write down the positive things about your sibling, anything positive that you can think of, write down you know, maybe three, maybe pick three things about each sibling. Maybe you only have one sibling. Maybe you have no siblings, but maybe you have friends who are as close to you as siblings who still have dramatic lives. It works for that, too. So so write about these positive things and write them down, focus on them, see them, understand them, and realize that there are positive things about these relationships that makes it worthwhile to work on. Once you're done with that, you know, make a date to connect with a sibling. This can include talking on the phone, doing FaceTime, meeting for lunch, whatever works best for you. So I need to be better about this with my sister who lives in town. And I kind of want to start like setting up a time where we can meet like maybe once a month and have lunch. Because even though we live like a mile apart from each other, we still don't see each other very much. And so I would really like to, you know, take our relationship to another level and, you know, make this date. So that's something that I can do now to improve my relationship with my sister. Yeah. And and just uh, along the same lines, take your communication up to the next level. If you don't talk to your sibling often, then send your sibling a text. You know, if that's something out of the ordinary for you, it it might prove to uh, turn into a conversation. I mean, who knows? I mean, texting is the pr- pretty much the base level of communication. So maybe you text already. Maybe you text pretty often. Why don't you call instead? Turn it into a call once a week. Um, that's just taking your texting relationship up to the next level. And maybe you do already talk once per week. Maybe you call and talk on the phone. How about, like you said, FaceTime? Bring that up to the next level. FaceTime is definitely a better communication tool than talking on the phone. You get to see people. You get to see their expressions. It's not as good as being in person. Maybe you don't see your sibling often. Maybe like me, you're separated by a country, by the width of the country anyway. Maybe you need to set aside some time. And if you can do it, travel, travel more to see your siblings so that you make that connection more often. And uh, that's definitely something that I'd like to do. 
those are things that you can do now to improve that sibling relationship and, and kind of get past any drama that you might have. We do have a listener question. It says, my sister and I used to be best friends. We had a misunderstanding a few years back, and now things are strained. I thought we'd be able to move on, but when we are at family functions, she is polite but hardly sisterly. How do I bridge the gap? And that's a tough one. Uh, it's two, two different expectations for what the relationship should be. Well, I guess the question you probably want to find out an answer to is, is, is your sister okay with the way things are? Does your sister not want to improve the relationship? Because if you're asking this question, obviously you do. And just by asking your sister, you know, are, are you happy with this? Do you want to maybe reconnect a little bit or just find out what she wants? Maybe, maybe she does, maybe she's waiting for you to make the first move. And sometimes, as you know, sometimes if we want something, we have to make the first move. And that's, that's all we have to do because that's the only thing we can control. We can't control when somebody else is going to make the decision to improve things. You have the opportunity. You can communicate. You can say, Hey, listen. Are, are you okay with this? Do you, do you, do you want to have a better relationship? Maybe she doesn't. In which case you have to align your expectations to her, what she wants because she's not going to make an effort despite anything you want to do. And I hope that's not the case. And I hope that she does want to improve the relationship and sees it as something that could be improved. And, uh, the only way you're going to find out is to, uh, open up a little bit of communication about that. So yes, continue to be polite just like she is to you. But figure out what it means to be sisterly to you and what it means to be sisterly to her or brotherly, because I don't know exactly you know, who asked this question. So find out what it means to be a sibling for each of you and see if there's any common ground and work on that common ground. And don't worry so much about the differences. And that way, you know, you'll align your expectations, expectations and you'll be a little happier. There, if this was brought on by a misunderstanding, maybe now is the time to clear it up and just say, hey... I feel like we don't, you know, talk anymore, or I feel like our relationship is different. What can we do to fix this? How can we overcome our misunderstanding and maybe talk about it a little? And, you know, and maybe, you know, it also in involves you, you know, apologizing and, and, you know, saying, all right, you know, I'm sorry we had this misunderstanding. And, you know, what can I do to, you know, help us improve our situation going forward? Yeah, apologizing is always good, even if you don't believe that you're wrong. And knowing how to apologize sincerely, even when you don't believe that you are wrong, is important too. Because it's not just about whatever the event was, the the, the thing that, uh, the misunderstanding. That's only part of it at this point. This was a few years back, as the listener said in the question. So there was an event, some misunderstanding, Standing that occurred, but then there's everything since then. And everything since then, both parties are involved in everything that's happened since the misunderstanding. So there's always something to apologize for. So find it and be sincere about it and see what you can do to move forward from that. If you're, if your sibling, if your sister even wants to, but maybe if you open up a little bit, your sister will see that you want to and will want to in return. So on that note, we would love to hear from you. Head on over to our Facebook community at hashtag adulting on Facebook and let us know about your own sibling relationships and what you're doing to improve your relationships with your siblings or if you've had to maybe cut off your relationship with your siblings in order to avoid toxic drama. 
So head on over there and let us know. Uh, don't forget, subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher, as well as Google Play. Uh, you can get your episodes delivered to your inbox every week, including our B-series where we interview experts about several different topics. And that's always a lot of fun. And make sure that you send us your questions at adulting.tv forward slash ask. And until next time, remember to behave like a grown-up. Thank you for listening to Adulting. Find resources for this episode or download other episodes at adulting.tv. Adulting.tv.